You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John Ojaka. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. This, of course, is John Ojaka. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about radio. We're going to talk about how an indie artist might go about setting up a, uh, a radio campaign. And we're going to really ask the important question, does radio even make sense in 2022 and going forward? Um, and to do this with me, we're going to have Josh Solomon from the Empty Pockets on the show. Again, uh, listeners should be very familiar with Josh at this point. Um, he's been sitting in on a number of recent episodes where we're doing this sort of record release blueprint uh, series. Uh, Josh is a former MMM student who's done exceptionally well with these strategies. He's an expert in his own right. His band, The Empty Pockets, has I couldn't even tell you how many billboard chart positions they've landed at this point. It's dozens of billboard chart positions using online marketing strategies alone. Uh, they've generated more than three quarters of a million dollars. They, they do exceptionally well as a true indie band using the kind of tactics that we focus on around here at Music Marketing Manifesto, these direct-to-fan, direct-response online marketing strategies. He's a real inspiration. He's become a, a, a good friend. Uh, and he's been sitting in kind of just walking us through their upcoming album release. They've got an album release coming up uh, in about a month as of this recording. Uh, and we've we've been breaking that down into chunks and just using them as topics so that we can not only educate you guys on some of these all important uh, steps when it comes to releasing an album, but also just to give you a real world example. And then occasionally we take some of these topics and turn them into insider circle lessons as well, where we share additional information and resources. If you're not familiar with the insider circle, that is a mastermind program of mine. And you can learn more about it at musicmarketingmanifesto.com by clicking on products and services. Um, but that that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, we've had a few weeks off, or I should say a few episodes off um, with, with Josh, but he's back uh, here again to uh, let us in on that release of theirs and his experience with radio. Because right now, as, as I'm talking, they're in the middle of a radio campaign. So I think this is going to be a, a really interesting one. All right, so we're going to take a brief break. I'm going to prepare some notes. And when we return, we're going to be speaking with Josh Solomon from The Empty Pockets about radio. All right, back in a sec. Hi, this is John Ojaka. I'm a former Interscope and Warner Brothers recording artist who gave up on the major label rat race and began pursuing direct-to-fan marketing strategies back in 2007. The techniques I developed worked so well that they helped my very first client set the all-time single-day sales record at CD Baby and land a position on the Billboard charts. In 2009, I launched Music Marketing Manifesto and began sharing my music marketing strategies with others. Since 
Since then, my programs have helped thousands of musicians learn how to successfully market their music, many of which have landed on various Billboard, Amazon, and iTunes sales charts, land Grammy nominations, and countless others have used my strategies to generate enough revenue to finally give up their day jobs and dedicate their lives to making music. So, if you're a musician and you need help growing your fan base or generating more revenue from your music, then MusicMarketingManifesto.com can help. My flagship program, Music Marketing Manifesto, is currently in its fifth edition and it will teach you how to build and promote an automated marketing funnel for your music. In the insider circle is my private mastermind group which offers monthly training lessons, weekly coaching calls, a mastermind community, and over 100 music marketing mini-courses. I also offer one-on-one -on -one consulting for musicians who need personal guidance or help with any aspect of their marketing. To learn more, go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and click on Products and Services in the main menu. Once more, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. All right, we are back. So on the line with me is Josh Solomon from The Empty Pockets. Thanks for being here, Josh. How are you? Oh, John, I am great. I just got back from a festival in Cleveland called Wonderstruck, which was our biggest festival we've ever played. Cool. So that was good timing for us. We got put on because uh, like two weeks before. It was like a last-minute replacement, but it was like Vampire Weekend, headlining, Lumineers. So it was, a, it was a big festival, good timing for us. Nice. Glad to be here with you on the podcast, man. Yeah, um, just f fill me in on the the festivals uh, festival circuit that you guys are on. What's a what's a you said the biggest one yet? How many people are we talking? Uh, I I got to look at a newspaper, I guess, to see. But I I think this was like a seven or eight thousand person festival, something nice. like that. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. Huge bands. We're just we we were last on the list, you know, like the big fancy festival poster. Sure, and sure. I, I liked I liked being last on that <laughs> list. We're, our name is very clear. We played on this giant stage. You know, all all these young girls were already set up in the front row. Uh, it was pretty cool, man. Awesome. Uh, but we had to we had to drive all night both directions to make it happen because we had other gigs around it. So sure. it's a day of rest <laughs> over here. Sure, sure. I'm always envious of people who sort of do the festival circuit. I've done my share of festivals, but I've never really done the those festival circuits. They've always just been sort of a one-off here or one-off there for me. So kudos to you. Um, but let's talk about radio. And I think, again, I know I did some of it in the intro, but I think you need to do a little bit of it as well. Let's just get everyone up to speed. So you, you've got an album coming out. Where are you now in that process? Um, and specifically, where are you uh, as it pertains to radio promotion? So we've got an album coming out on August 12th. You and I are recording this on July 11th. Um, we're a few months into our album release. And I think like a point of clarity should be made. I, I'm pretty sure you'd agree with me here that the album release date, I think a lot of artists treat as like the starting point, but I actually, and I think you do too, treat it more like the ending point. Totally. Um, not that, not that we're not going to sell the album after that, but the vast majority of our promotion is front loaded Sure. in terms of email, social media, PR, uh, and radio which is what we're, uh, what we're talking about today. And you know, it's funny, man, I got a, a little bit of a, my background in terms of radio is I'm a huge believer in it. I drink the Kool-Aid, you know, I love that thing you do, the movie, you know, I love <laughs> all the myths 
of radio and um, I'm the envious of artists that are on it. And I've done a lot of research, like proving to myself over and over again, radio breaks artists every single year, radio breaks artists. But my hesitation towards radio is I once spent like $20,000 of my own money going to radio with stars in my eyes. And I think, I know you've told me an anecdote that you actually once did that too. Mm, I did. Uh, And it's, so you can get burned. Like this isn't, this is not a podcast of like, Hey everybody, let's spend a lot of money on radio right now. It's going to make you famous. It's a, from my perspective, it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, we have decided to go back to radio for the first time in like 10 years. Basically like in the interim, I bought MMM and built an e-commerce band throughout like the last eight years. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And now I feel like we're ready and we're spending a lot less than $20,000 back at radio. Here. Sure. sure. Um, you know, we're doing a, and this is basically where my first note to talk about in terms of like radio in general is, is it viable for artists at all in 2022? And I think it is, if you have the right strategy and mindset and, and you're not just, uh, well, my dad would say burning paper, right? Right. Burn, just spending money and it doesn't catch anything else on fire. <laughs> and that requires, uh, that requires us to like know quite a few things to, about our own music and then like how that relates to radio and what's possible. If I, like, if I could, if I could pause you there and, 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 and try to try to come back in on that note. Um, I wanted to just, um, I don't know, shine a little spotlight on some of the things you just said. I think, I think it's an important distinction, even going back before radio, what you talked about in terms of how you and I both kind of view the album release date as sort of being the end of the totally. process. We have a very different perspective, which is you build an audience and then you sell to that audience. Whereas most of the music industry is still releasing music and going out and trying to find an audience um, for their music. We also know firsthand um, when you have true fans, not just an audience, an audience is one thing, you know, an audience listens, but fans actually buy. And when you go out and you build that audience in that audience, you're going to, you're going to have a percentage of those, that audience that become true fans. And when you have true fans, you can make so much more money actually selling to that list than you can, you know, monetizing through things like streaming, typically speaking. Um, and so we put a lot of importance on building those fans, building that audience and then selling directly directly to that audience, but the majority yeah. of the industry is not in that mind space. I think more and more of the industries is sort of sharing. Not very much in my anecdotal experience, yeah. not that much. I think it's a lot of the industry is still in this. Let's create a hit. Let's create stars. Let's right. create celebrities. Right. And then let's have those celebrities take on some of the philosophies that we're talking about. Sure. You know, obviously like somebody like Taylor Swift, or Lizzo or John May or some of the people that like just intrinsically get social media and communication are in some ways like using these strategies to like really take careers to the next, to the stratosphere. Sure. Totally. Totally. But I don't think fundamentally major label artists are being broken with these strategies. (laughs) Right. No, I I, I think think, that's true. And, and, and I think there's a distinction there, you know, for my album release, we're one month away and I can tell you, I'm going to actually look it up right now. We've, we, we've sold 
pre-sold. We're pre-selling our album. Mm -hmm. And it looks like we got eight. Oh, we sold two just now. So we got 845 units mm -hmm. have been sold. And I think 831 of those are going to be reportable in the U.S., which is important to me for Billboard. Nice. Um, but those, we just started our radio campaign. And I, like I said in our, our first podcast, I'm not really counting on radio. We're sort of not throwing money away, but investing it to the future. Right. Like I think our radio budget's like four or $5,000 for this release. Right. And I'm not expecting that to turn around and sell four or $5,000 worth of copies of this album. Totally. Well, and that was where I wanted to sort of start by bringing up our, our the difference in our philosophy with that, which maybe is sort of the quote unquote mainstream music industry is, is largely embracing. Um, you see it, I see it. So many artists kind of come to the table as indie artists going, okay, I'm a brand new indie artist. I've re I've recorded an album. I want to, I want to break it. I want to be famous. I want to have a career. I don't. And, and I'm with them. Like I'm not anti them breaking. Sure. I just am a realist as much as I am an optimist. And just the, ch the chances are it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's, just so, no, totally. it's, it's 2022. It's like, However many slots there were, there are less this year. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So like truly breaking an artist into the mainstream. Right. Um, but but with that mindset in hand, you know, I think they they just do what they see, um, which yeah. has historically certainly involved radio, um, publicity, you know, touring. I've been I've been sort of pitching it like this or presenting the problem like this for about 13 years now and it's still really the same the only addition is streaming which is taking over a lot of the 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 kind of radio mindset you know the way we used to yeah put but all there, there are similarities there dude it's so funny you say that because i think a facebook ad from you to me <laughs> when we didn't know each other mm -hmm. said here's how you sell albums with no radio yeah. And I had just spent all this money. Like, oh, I got, I begged, borrowed, and stealed, like, as much money as I could. And I was like, I'm going to break myself and my band as an artist. Yeah. You know, and I thought I was spending a lot of money. I wasn't, you know, I was like, well, maybe we'll be the underdogs. We'll do like the Florida Marlins. They spend 20 million. The Yankees spend 200 million. And, and it didn't work. Sure. You know, like, uh, we got one radio station in Syracuse, I remember, to play us like 17 times a week. And we did see a spike in sales of a single on iTunes. It was like hundred and something copies, but that's not very much money. Yeah. Like a hundred and something dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh no, that's our most successful market. We're in a lot of trouble on this campaign. And when you said that, as I didn't know you in your ad and I learned these strategies, I dropped radio completely for like eight or 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just getting back to it now. And my goal is so different. My goal is not to break my band, The Empty Pocket. Sure. Uh, my goal is to find champions at radio. Okay. Maybe even in just one market. Okay. If you don't mind, sorry. My job in these interviews, you are such a such a, a, a lightning strike of ideas that you tend to come into these conversations with, like sort of here here's everything you know all in yeah, the first sorry, five minutes so i'm 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 trying very hard to like cut this up and and create a linear path to kind of cover the evolution of radio and the evolution of the mindset 
your mindset yeah. um, towards radio. So I'm going to keep interrupting you if that's all right, and please, and and, and and go in these little chunks that, it, and we're going to get to what you just said and how you're using radio. But let's start with that average musician who's just recorded. They've got an album coming out in a in a month or two or three, and they want to do everything they can. Uh, they they uh, it's their first album or maybe their you know second album, but they don't have a huge following. Does radio make sense? Should that be should they be allocating any part of their limited budget to radio in 2020? Yes, I think they should. And I think it's in the, you know, low three figures, a hundred dollars. And I think a lot of that is in, if I were just to be advising somebody, it would just be in like resources, like envelopes. Yeah. And I would do a very small targeted campaign maybe even just to within a hundred miles of where I lived. Right. Local regional to start introducing myself. Gotcha. Because the concept you teach, you know, you and I were, uh, before we started recording, we're talking about the deep funnel, Mm -hmm. the long funnel. Sure. That, that both concepts exist with radio as well. And radio airplay isn't actually the only prize at radio. I once, uh, got like 30 gigs playing Buddy Holly songs at a furniture store from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. hired by an oldies radio station. Wow. Um, You know, because radio stations have events. Radio stations are part of festivals. Sometimes they even get a few slots at the festival that they sort of get to choose. Sure. And then, and they throw their own concerts. So to me, what I would do as an indie artist right now in 2022 is the first thing, and it's the first thing on my list, is you got to figure out what format Regardless of your budget and where you are, I would figure out what format my music mm. naturally fits at radio. And, and, and we got to ask ourselves, like, that's a sort of like a vocab word, format at radio, right? They have like, these weird names. Well, yeah, talk, talk about some thing. of those, the, the common ones. So, the... like, where obviously we all just use, like, the genre word, like rock or country, and some of those do match. Like, country stations are just called country. Right. There are these other, like, funny words and acronyms, like... A, a big one is AC, which mm-hmm. stands for adult contemporary. And like these things evolve, obviously, because, you know, adult contemporary in 1991 means something a little bit different now totally. in 2022. But the basic gist is what it sounds like. These, these are sort of like soft rock, you know, back in the 90s is like a lot of Michael Bolton. But now even adult contemporary could be like pop music that's acoustic, Adele. Sometimes it's even remixes of harder like quote harder music but that's like with acoustic guitars or something sure and then there are there are lots of radio formats surrounding uh, an ac uh those are called ac stations adult contemporary they're like hot adult contemporary hot ac is a super popular format um that's like adult contemporary with a beat to it so oh, right. not quite full dance club music but you know like a little like now you're a younger mom yeah and totally, you're driving totally. in your car right but there's uh, a, maybe the the most popular radio format, like which my music probably couldn't ever go to, is is I think still called CHR, mm. you know, current hits radio, and that's like the biggest of the biggest, you know, Ariana Grande and Olivia Rodrigo, like Taylor Swift, all the hugest hits right. go to format and and there are lots of these formats there's little tiny niche formats that smooth jazz that still has stations and bluegrass classical country there's 
different rocks, right? You got your active rock, which is more like metal, you know, and you got your, your alternative rock, which is more like Jack White-esque stuff. Right. I think that's a good exercise for any artist to do because you can at least, I mean, you'll go crazy if you listen to too much radio, but you can at least turn on the, uh, the station in your town if, if you figure out, you know, you, there's, there's probably a station within 100 miles of your town that plays a format similar to music you play. I mean, maybe if you are a very niche, you know, if you you'd play Celtic jazz, maybe there isn't a station, but there are a lot. (laughs) Celtic jazz. Nice. But even so, like there's probably like an NPR station, a non-commercial that has like an experimental hour. Totally. Sometimes like it's just two hours every Saturday and that's the thing close to you. Right. But I would suggest any artist do that research Start listening and figuring out who your artists are that match you, because those are good people to go pitch for opening slots in the mm-hmm. future or to mm-hmm. watch for. And maybe, you know, in a professional way, but even just in a simple, doesn't have to, you know, you don't need a PR team for this, to, to reach out and say, hey, here's my album in um, whatever format makes sense to you. I mean, I think this can be done digitally or physically. I like the touch of the personal touch of like a, a handwritten note. Sure. But, uh, it can be done in a lot of ways. Don't you think any artist could be doing that for not that much uh, effort and energy? It takes some research. Yeah. And it's a long, talking about a long-term investment. You know, like you're going to be an artist for the next 10, 20, 25 years, 30 years. So, so, and you're releasing your first EP. I think it is worth introducing to radio. I, 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 I totally agree. And I love the idea, but I also have an enormous amount of jaded sort of cynicism which also tells me that the enormous lion's share of that is just going to end up in a waste bin somewhere. Um, but I, but, but that's the business, unfortunately, you know, like I still, I, I still think it's worth doing. And I do, I mean, know for a fact that you break through sometimes. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's just about, it's about that shot across the bow that maybe doesn't do anything, but the next time you cross their path, they kind of remember that note. They remember that CD cover. They remember that envelope and it makes the second impact more impact or the second reach a little more impactful because you, you did it. So I, I think you're right. I think it's a, especially, and what was the budget you put on, on this just largely supplies. And I think I'm at, Five thousand. Uh, oh no, my budget. This, no, no, I, no. I you're talking about the self. Self. You're do, being your own promoter in this scenario, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about uh, you know a handful of stations, a dozen, two dozen stations that you you research and find <clears> the addresses, <throat> and make the mailing list yourself. Yeah. And I'm talking about less than a hundred dollars. You know, because we're envelopes. I think you probably should print what I call and what a lot of people call a one sheet. Yeah. Um, do you, do you know, one sheet, do you, do you totally. do that lingo? I do. Uh, I, well, I, I have online one sheets that I send to everybody for sure. Perfect. You know, you, you get your photo on it, you get your accomplishments on it, you get your bio on it, your release date, and you professionally introduce yourself to radio. Now, part of this is in the format research. Like for instance, it's going to be a lot easier to get the attention of the smooth jazz director or the bluegrass director than it is to get the attention of like the CHR director or the yeah. country program director. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would have different advice. Like if somebody was a pop country artist, right? I wouldn't, I mean, maybe it's still worth trying. It could be charming, but that's going to be a lot harder than at, let's say the stage, the, the 
format that I'm going at, which is AAA, but you're non-commercial. St- you're still football. talking about local and regional. I think that kind of thing still makes sense. I mean, presumably, if not already, at least eventually, you're an artist that will hopefully make, I mean, you have to be if you're going to have a career with this stuff, make some noise in your backyard. So I think I think it makes a lot of sense to, even if it's like you say, the specialty shows, the local shows, um, you know, I think. I and think, I think the bigger the station, the more I would focus on that. Like, yeah. to me, you look up the station and if it's owned by Cumulus or <clears throat> iHeartRadio, then it's going to be tough to get their attention. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, that's like sending a letter to the Miami Dolphins or something. Like, it's it's not necessarily not worth sending. Like, crazy stuff happens. But obviously, the more independent the station itself, chances are the better, the easier time you will have forming a relationship. Yeah. And if the I, other thing, I will, uh, no, go on. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it was just an aside and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but it's kind of an interesting and relevant aside, which is back in the day before I got my deal with Interscope, I had this revelation. So I had had demo deal after demo deal after demo. I think I had at least three uh, demo, one with Epic, one with Capital, one with a label called Paradigm. Um, and I couldn't get anybody to sign me. I couldn't get that, that anyone to hand over the check. The um, and I got convinced that, um, and I had helped some other artists got involved, uh, uh, with other artists helping to sort of, I don't know, promote them in town as a, as a club. I was a club promoter. So I would, I would throw a lot of support other artists ways. And, and a couple of them got deals and I got sort of frustrated at one point and kind of came to this conclusion that, it was never going to, the industry was never going to see what I had unless I, um, did it all myself. I, I, I consciously, I became conscious of this notion that I needed to get on the radio and have uh, an independent hit if the industry was ever going to see that I had hits. And so that was my realization. And I sat there and, uh, I was a real, you know, a hustler back in the day. And I just, I, I picked up the phone and I had this huge, this is, you know, a long time ago. This is before email. Well, email existed, but it wasn't what it is today. Um, and I, I was a club promoter. So I was out all the time, constantly asking people for their numbers so I could invite them to future events and shows. And I just sat there and I, I had about a thousand people in my phone book and I called every single person that I knew even remotely. Well, I didn't probably call the people that I met once at a bar because that would have been weird. But anyone that I even knew a little bit and said, hey, random question. Do you know anyone in radio or do you know anyone who knows anyone in radio? And I and I, wow. I spent a week doing that. And I got about five people that either knew someone or knew someone who knew someone. And I and that qu- next question was just, could you do me a favor and make this connection? I, I have to get my song on the radio. Um, could you make a connection so that I could get maybe that permission to either reach out or call them or send them my stuff? And and I got about five sort of takers, five people willing to help. And one of them came, it ultimately eventuated into getting a song on radio. I can't, it was like 107.7, I think. Um, or was it one of, no, that was, was that K rock? Was it 102.7? I can't remember. It was the non K rock one. Um, it was the, sort of the, the second, I think they're gone now, but at the time it was like the second biggest alternative rock station in Los Angeles. And, 
and a friend knew someone who was a program director or maybe he was even just a DJ on a specialty hour and they spun the song and it got phones and it, it didn't eventuate into what I had believed would happen. You know, it was just one spin and it got phones. It was real positive indicators, but it didn't result in, you know, a hit by any stretch, but funny enough, you know, six months later or three months later, whatever it was, exactly what had I believed needed to happen, happened. It came through a different channel, but somebody at uh, Capitol, uh, there's a lot of myth along with this that I don't have any way of verifying. The story I heard, I had a, a, that demo deal I mentioned with Capitol, and it didn't look like they were that interested or going to sign me. Story I heard was the head of programming was either fired or had quit under maybe not awesome terms and <clears throat> wanted to go out with a hit under his belt and uh, so he could position himself for the next gig. And and he took happened to just think my song had something same exact song that was on the radio through my efforts. And he took it to K-Rock and then and pitched it and they started spinning it. And this whole thing happened across America where more and more stations started spinning it. Just a kind of an aside, not so much to, to back up your lessons or anything, but just on the, the power of intention. You know, it was I don't think an uh, accident. I think there's a lot of little. I mean, that's a huge thing, obviously, you know, like in, I've seen your documentary, which I know <laughs> isn't necessarily public, that that does document some of that. Right. And like, you know, you've said it in ads and you said it in blogs like I know you signed the I, I believe it's the biggest new artist record deal that's that's what the trade papers said i I don't think anyone keeps a log of these things but certainly the trade papers said biggest new artist signing in history but i have no idea yeah so that i mean that's an insane chain of events but (laughs) i've gotten out gigs from people at radio because we were introduced from someone or someone came to see us that, that there are um there are definitely benefits beyond the spins. And I will also say your story made me think of this concept, to, which is like uh, hearing your song on the radio is like amazing that there is that scene and that thing you do, which I love. And like, you got to hear your song a lot of times on the radio. We've run into our song on the radio, like a few times to me, it's like always special. Yeah. Like my, one of my favorite parts of your documentary is some, you're young and, and someone else is like, are you still listening to your song on the radio? It's the same song. <laughs> yeah. As a producer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds bad on the radio. Well, again, as an aside, but just because we're talking about it, the beautiful, one of the beautiful things about radio, and I'm sure most people listening to this are aware of it, is just how those, those sound waves are out there in space forever. Um, and, and you become part of the universe in that literal way. Alien civilizations might, you know, discover it one day. It's, it's quite romantic that that sound for me yeah. is whatever 20 light years away right now. Um, uh, I, I quite, I get off on that. It's a, it's a neat aspect of terrestrial radio that, that, you know, the internet doesn't sort of provide. Um, there's something, yeah, and I, something I romantic think- about it. Yeah, it's so cool. It's analog. And I also think that, you know, there's a a newness bias to technology. Like, I have a Spotify account. Like, I know on this podcast, sometimes I I maybe come across like I'm anti-streaming. I'm not anti-streaming. I think it has its place. But I think that I know that study after study shows (laughs) that radio breaks artists. Yeah. Like, we'll we'll talk talk about that. Yeah. 
I'm not, I'm not even saying that's my personal strategy because the amount of money it still, it takes today to, to really buy the lottery ticket to try to break an artist. I mean, major labels spend a lot, hundreds of thousands, hundreds millions of, thousands, of dollars yeah. on single artists. Um, you know, and that's some of that spend is even creeping into formats that traditionally wouldn't get, get that, you know, it's because it's, it's so valuable. Well, I, I want your perspective and what you know in referencing those studies and things. So, so, okay. You've talked a little bit, again, I'm just trying to keep this, keep us on a, a series of footsteps in this conversation, but so a new artist starting out, you think it makes sense, but probably self-serving, you know, go out and do it yourself. Keep the budget very low. And I have low. a caveat to that, which mm-hmm. is only if you're committed to continuing your career. Good. good like point. I have a note that I specifically wrote, which is like, you need to have a bigger picture strategy than a single release. That's a really if good you're, point. If you're going to be messing with radio at all. If, you're, a, if you're not sure, Oh, no. Well, no, uh, you're right. A lot of artists don't. And a lot of artists, at the very least, stick their head in the sand and don't really think about that or commit themselves to a career plan. They put out an album almost as if they're testing the waters to see if the universe is going to reward them. And while I'm sure somewhere... That's not going to serve you here at radio. It's it's just not. Right. Um, So... uh, so, so, okay. So, so new artists, it makes some sense if there is a long-term strand because the biggest payoff as you see it is the brand building, the relationship building, the start of the networking that hopefully is, is for the most part, you might get a spin or two, but is mostly going to come in, uh, down the line as you, as you, as you start to build your brand to the point that you really do need radio to be a bigger part of the equation. Is that correct so far? Yes, okay. definitely. Okay. So you know, I think a single spin, it's it's important to note that like a single spin from a sales standpoint essentially doesn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Like that's that's it's the same thing as it's really cool, it's great, and maybe you can beget more spins or more opportunities, but in my experience, the few times we've gone to radio and talking to people and researching, we're talking about over 10, 15 spins a week on a station is sort of the line where you can maybe expect some some consistent action every week. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. Like <clears throat> you got it more than ten times a week. Well, and my, that's a lot of things. I, lot I of agree. I, I mean, yeah, and you really even more than that, don't you think? I mean, you know, I sort of yeah. thought it was around 2030 where you started to see some some impact. Um, but I don't know. It. Uh, I, my head's not very yeah. much in the radio I, I, game I definitely these days. think I could. I could believe that i just think it depends on a lot of variables and factors i think you have a chance of actually introducing yourself to an audience over 10 spins 2030 is definitely what any any label not even major is going to look for to expect like sales and it's interesting because we got to go back to like they don't have a these labels the big labels doing rate most of the people doing radio don't have this MMM type philosophy in mind. Totally. You know, the radio in the PR and their tour buy on or whatever, those big things, that's their whole strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I went, you know, so my experiences are the Interscope experience where it was a proper release, a lot of, lot of money put into it. It was the marketing budget that was a couple hundred thousand, um, strong most. And it's important to clarify in this context, John, that, you had already gotten major radio airplay. Totally. Like no, not just true. a little radio airplay. And I'm not just talking about the quantity, the quality, like especially at the time, yeah. K-Rock in Los Angeles 
was the cultural center of that format. Totally. You know, like that was major airplay. Totally. The foreigners. Totally. And they still spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And and we did get those those real spins, you know, the real rotation, the twenty thirty kind of kind of spins a week in various stations, many of them, you know, sort of first tier markets, um, and and it sold units as a result. There were thousands of albums, so it was. Yeah, my, you know, honestly, uh, you probably sell more tickets. I know you live in New Zealand, but you probably sell more concert tickets in some of those markets than you would think. I toured this guy Al Stewart, mm-hmm. who has a, two big hits. But he has some minor hits, mm-hmm. and our ticket sales with him are really different in the markets where he had even minor radio hits that were big hits in the market. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like our our sales in Seattle are really different because they played <laughs> this one, they played the shit out of this one song. Right. Right. Uh, and for you, some of those markets are probably more active than you think. Yeah, I need, I know I need to get out there. I do tend to stick to the West Coast whenever I'm I'm touring, and occasionally I've I've gone out as an opener nationally. But um, you know, I need I, I think well, getting too off the topic, but I I do think I'll be doing some some unique things that I'll share more about with the release of the next album. But anyway, um, uh just to add to so that was the Interscope experience but by contrast when I put out the second album that was on a Warner Brothers yeah. sub but I kind of knew going into it that they w- frankly weren't going to do a whole heck of a lot it was a one-off there were some industry relationships that sort of helped make oh, that so happen this is going to be your personal spend yeah well I mean they did a little bit but I, I was not counting on anything to really happen as a result of their efforts so yeah I put about 30 grand into radio promotion on that actually flew around the country going and shaking hands and sitting in on, you know doing interviews on the on I the still air. do it yeah. I still do it and I got spins you know it was not so many first tier stations and it was probably more like you know 10 or 15 um, kind of spins a week and, but it was meaningful it was real but it it was that 30 grand was just a, unfortunately a drop in the bucket for what was necessary to create that kind of tipping point there's kind of an all or nothing equation if you're looking for an ROI and 30 grand wasn't going to do it and at the end of the day I sort of did walk away from the experience going, well, that was a big waste of money. Had I, with with the perspective I now have 15 years later as an online marketing sort of expert or whatever, if I, if I had put that 30000 into just advertising, I would have had, um, you know, a, a career for life uh, as a result. And and that's, that, that's so true. And, you know, like, I I learned a lot from a similar experience without even the background of Interscope too. And coming back to it now, like I'd mentioned before, my goal is so different. You know, like obviously in my heart of hearts, I'd love to like have a hit and my whole life would be so much easier. But I've you know, not given up that dream, but sort of moved on to like, let's put a goal out here that I can really accomplish. And so what I had said before is like what we're looking for, what I'm personally looking for at radio and what I think indie artists in general should be looking for rather than trying to create a so-called hit, right? Which I think is realistically very, very, very difficult and unlikely to achieve a hit when you're competing against so much more money. I mean, so much money is champion. They're 
are even with even the the stations that are owned by giant companies like Cumulus or like iHeartRadio, which used to be called Clear Channel, you know, CBS, ABC, even these huge ones, mm-hmm. they still have some independent operators inside actually making decisions, actually putting music on the radio. And those champions can give you spins, but also, like I had said, gigs, all sorts of various opportunities, interviews, mentions, and the ROI of all this is difficult. Like it has to be long-term. My, uh, our strategy in our band is we visit almost all of our markets once a year. So it's like really valuable to me to go from 65 tickets to 85 tickets. You know what I mean? Sure. And especially over time. And so we, if we can find, we've had, it's happened to us a few times. If we find a champion who plays the shit out of a song, even if they just play it like 10 days leading up to a show. Right. And that means 40 more people come to our show. Right. Like that's a big deal to me. Right. That makes a big difference. Do you know the current numbers on this? Uh, this is kind of a non sequitur for the purposes of this interview, but I, I find it difficult to find the data and it just kind of came up in a recent conversation in a decent market. How many people are actually tuned in and listening at one time? I know there's no real way of tracking this, but do they have accurate estimates out there? I, I in this day and age, I'm, I'm suspicious of some of the numbers that I, I see. And, and, you know, I can measure that against the impact that I see when someone's maybe doing an interview on the radio, the very small sometimes impact. And I'm just, just kind of curious what, let's say the average U.S. radio station even claims their listenership well, it's, it's is at like a moment. Average, that's, there's no average, obviously. It's like it varies dramatically, sure. wildly. Sure. Like there are definitely people essentially broadcasting to no one. Yeah. You yeah. know, where, 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 where it's just a nothing, you know, I've done a lot of radio interviews and like, I can tell the difference. Uh, sorry if my audio just changed. I switched headphones. If, uh, I use this text to add email. We, we want to collect everyone's email. We can sure. obviously, sure. I'm a big believer in the email list. And so we say, Hey, text this number, you know, we give an incentive, like you'll get free music and we do it on most of our radio interviews. Mm-hmm. And we usually get like at a live show, we usually get right around 10% of the audience. So like, uh, if we do a f- 500 seat theater and sold out and I make my pitch and we don't get 50 people, I'm like, damn it. I, I fumbled it or something. You nice. know what I mean? Like pretty consistent. So if we do like WGN radio here in Chicago and I make that pitch, I'll get like 80, 90 really? people. Do- yeah. Wow. That's, that's Every once great. in a while, we'll do like a community station or something. You get three or four people. If I do an interview live and I do that and I get zero people, I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 um, I do it. I, I've been involved in a lot of campaigns that get like key interviews on various radio stations and they're definitely time. There's definitely times where I've seen, oh, cool. We just sold, you know, there was a 20 ticket spike or something like that. Exactly. And, and you know, you had, it had influence, but then there's times where there's, there's virtually no impact. And, and that is tough actually right now in general, I would ign- as an indie artist and as any artist, unfortunately, cause there's such good people a lot of times just trying to do good. I would ignore internet radio. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, every, all these people, a lot of older people that are super into music, like request albums and stuff, you know, but they're essentially just like broadcasting to no one and you're sending them like a free CD. Yeah. 
Totally, uh, totally. I would, I would, you know, I would focus my efforts on a station with call letters. I not mean, to be even the low level FM stations are just nobody. I mean, you can go on Fiverr and get like a like an ad on, or even a spin. I, I haven't actually looked too closely into those, but I used to experiment with some advertising. I mean, for like five bucks, you know, or ten bucks, and just there's nobody, yeah, the, nobody the, the thing that could be. Uh, that could make it worth it for like some stations that don't have much of a listener base is mm-hmm. some of those are community stations. Sure. And sometimes they have like 30 volunteers and those are like self-selecting for you. 30 people who are so into music that they're volunteering. That's a great point. At a non-commercial yeah. radio station. So it's like, to me, my problem with like the little tiny <clears throat> internet radio station is it's like one dude in his basement. Right. But if, if we're talking about like a college station that 26 kids volunteer at and two adults run even if they don't um even if they don't have an audience honestly like that's a good group of people to promote to no that's a great great point that's a great point i want to actually circle back to that um a little bit later because i can my brain is already going oh yeah you could you could there's some things you could do there but um what about uh, college radio? Because that was that was the thing back in the day where when you didn't have money for real radio, you went to college radio. And I still know That's a lot still, of people that do it. You know, where, where's yeah, what's the state of college it. radio promotion? It's so it's cheap. If you can promote to college radio for like a grand. Yeah. Um, I just did a campaign like six months ago. It, yep. Zero, almost z- zero impact. Yeah. What about what about uh, charting? Did you chart? Did you do enough? No, we to chart? did not right. chart. Uh, we've charted before on different types of formats. We've charted in FMQB on radio, for instance. We felt more of an impact on that in terms of you know some sales. That was back in the iTunes days, so I could sort of track by market. That was my anecdote. Right. Of, uh, we definitely sold some some copies in Syracuse. I remember um, college radio. I think there's some elements of what I just said about like, you know, some of those stations are truly a group of dedicated college students, like running a station with some, and they're all big music fans right. with adult leaders. But I think problem is at the promotional level, if the, if the promoter is only focused on college radio, there's almost, I, I don't quote me on this, but like my perception is there's like a little bit of a racket going. Yeah. You know what I mean? I kind of have the same like, perception. That, that where you just the promoters have whatever type of relationship where they just get some spins, but those spins truly mean nothing. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I don't know if I would fully <clears throat> how much I would recommend that. Right. Especially one problem with college radio is is it's it's difficult for this champion strategy because if it's a fully student run station, then they don't stay there. Yeah, it's a good point. I like I don't mind a volunteer station. Right. Or I don't even mind a college station if you have like a really good couple of professors. Right. <clears throat> you can form a relationship with them. I have a couple of these stations. No, especially like um John, the a big way to tell the difference between a station, some people have done these work this work for you already. And and college even blurs this line, but in general like is it a reporting station is a big term. Sure, sure. Does it report to somebody, a magazine, a chart? You know, is it a billboard station, a Nielsen station, an FMQB? That doesn't exist. FMQB doesn't exist anymore. But is it a NACA state, you know, station? That's the college one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
because the non-reporters like I at college, like I really don't know what's going on there. <laughs> right. Right. I just, yeah, I don't know who, who I, I love your point about the teams behind them and how dedicated uh, the individuals involved would be and how valuable that might be. But I, I tend to agree. I don't, I just don't know what the relevance is of those, of that format in this day. And uh, in general, I think we, we, we don't want that, that, that should be a bonus, the teams, yeah, you know, yeah. and the people working there. Like we don't, we're any artist, even a brand new artist, doesn't want to go to a station with no audience. Totally. Okay, so so we've done what we always do. We've chatted for quite a while now, and we've really only scratched the surface, and we've given a a, a sense of our of the state of radio and and a lot of our opinions. And frankly, we've cast it in some bit of a dubious light in a lot of ways. And I think that's the right way to cast it for. Uh, indie indie musicians. I mean, literally, you say in some of your ads, like sell music with no radio, no press, no touring. Like I've read that. That's my most successful line: how to sell music with no radio, touring, or press, or with no record label, radio, touring, or press. You know, but but I think we it's even if you're not going to do something, and I said this in our blueprint, like it's good to address it and and purposefully let it burn sure no uh, I, I, and I do I, think I, it's dubious i don't want people going to invest a ton of money into radio yeah agreed and yet we're still saying you should probably do it and you are doing it and most of the campaigns i work on as a marketing consultant well, at least when it comes to working for labels even small ones um, include radio as part of the equation so now let's talk a little bit about about why so so w- w- when do you think radio starts to make real sense? Why are you doing it? Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the approach after that. I think radio really starts to make sense when you're touring nationally. Um, I think radio and touring go together hand in hand. You can get spins on a radio station out of context of anything if you're touring in their market. Right. You know, the same thing, same thing with a lot of PR, like there are certain easy PR things that you can do yourself if you're touring nationally. Mm-hmm. So I do think those two things go hand in hand. And I think lots of bands aren't famous and aren't like particularly making a ton of money and are touring nationally. Sure. So I think that's that, that's one piece of it. I think that when I say I'm going after champions, I mean, I'm trying to form relationships uh, with people who are gatekeepers, decision makers at radio stations who could theoretically at their leisure play my song 20 times a week totally um that's a long-term process you can't you can't force that it, it it's like so many things it's real relationships patience and humility is is a big deal there you know it's interesting a lot of people not just at radio but in music promotion in general are I don't want to be too harsh. They're not like failed musicians, but a lot of them are hobbyist amateur musicians. Sure. So it becomes a really good way to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Just being a musician. They want to they want to hang out with musicians. They yeah. got into this industry to hang out with musicians, and it's not that easy to hang out with John Mayer even when you are the program director of a big radio station. Right. You still might only get a second with John Mayer, but with me, you can have lunch. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So like th- th- that's our advantage as indie artists and we you know there's there's multiple things at play obviously i'm you and i are both very focused on direct results but there's also 
uh, similar to like a blog that nobody reads that can still be really valuable to you. Sure. There are definitely brag points to be had at radio, even to book a future gig. Well, 100%. We got a spin on this radio station in your market. And that doesn't even have to be a huge station as long as it's in the right market. Oh, for decades now, I still see it. To today, like uh, I know of quite a few artists come to mind where their community is um, so impressed uh, by their radio chart positions. It could be a dance chart in Europe, in Brazil. Yeah, it could be a, a college radio chart, and yet the community really comes away from that, going, "Oh wow, they're a success! I had no idea." Um, and you know, you or I might know that the components that go into that are. We might know that. They're more achievable than the average person does, but it's a, an enormous door opener. And it is still something, you know, even even if it's a obtainable chart position, there are still thousands of other artists that would like to be on that chart and aren't. And, and so, it, yeah, and, and I think I think the reason, we, you know, we have like, a, you know, take take a grain of salt with this is is, is there are dubious aspects of radio and yeah. you can spend a lot of money and not get a lot of that money back out of it. But I, so it is complicated, but yeah. I'm personally investing in it and I still do believe in it. But I think that I'm, you have to do it clear or it's better to do that very clear eyed. From my perspective, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of summarizing a lot of what you've just said and adding a little bit more onto it as well. And then you can kind of tell me if you agree or if there's anything I'm overstating or leaving out. But from my perspective, where I am working on campaigns, not even talking about my own experiences, um, which frankly, are a bit older and from a, a era where radio still meant a little bit more, the campaigns I work on more currently that use radio where I see the value is is largely in brand building and as you say with a touring act it, I do think it helps get butts in seats particularly if you're engaged in online advertising when you create any yeah, kind of connect those dots yes yeah. when you when I'm out there marketing online and I've got a Facebook ad campaign or Instagram ad campaign that's just hacking away at that tree trying to trying to get it to fog, trying to, you know, create awareness after awareness, uh, whether it's a small town or a segment of a big town, just trying to create this impression that this thing that's coming to town, that this artist that's playing at, at the venue in town um, is one you should care about. And then they hear it on the radio and they make that connection of like, oh, that's that artist. Suddenly their perception of that ad they saw goes th through the roof um, and the chances that they're actually going to come down increases and even more so when you're dealing with specialty genres blues country yep. where there's a venue jazz a venue that caters to that audience and a station that that caters to that genre if you're a diehard fan of that genre and you live in this city, you probably listen to that station. And you're, if it's in any amount of rotation, you're going to catch it and you're going to clue into the fact that they're playing at that venue you keep an eye on yeah, I mean, and you're more likely to come. World, in a perfect world, you're playing a small <clears throat> venue in a new town, right? Sure. And your, your prospective new audience member goes to that venue three weeks before to see somebody different and sees your poster. Right, right. Right. And turns on their local little station and hears your song. I mean, this doesn't really happen, but it would be awesome. And this is the idea, right? Gets mm -hmm. on their computer and sees your Facebook ad. 
maybe you sent a couple emails to the local newspaper and they see your article. Like that's the dream, obviously. Totally. totally. And that that's radio is a piece of that ecosystem. And there's a big transition that I think you're on the cusp of um, where you go from being being this sort of regional or lower level national success um, and you want to become a. I don't know, a more mainstream national success or international success. It's an important, there's an important step of winning over the industry as a whole. There is this tipping point. And I I feel like I saw it to a smaller extent with Geneva Magnus, who's a blues artist who just released a a great album, by the way. Um, But uh, I've worked on a couple of her releases and one of them got, she got nominated for a Grammy. And I don't mean like an early stages Grammy nomination. She was, she was in that, that, final pool for best yeah, blue- people say that nomination thing and if you count the early stages then i've been nominated twice yeah I, and, so and a lot of people do that i feel like i have to clarify every time i say grammy nominated i i mean final final round grammy nomination for real like, grammy nomination. she she wore the dress and she went to the show um you know but uh but but uh, she didn't get she didn't get it but she was you know in that top i mean that's amazing that's still a, a, a final nomination is is a a career accolade huge huge and and i don't know that that ever would have happened had she not been charting at radio pure they're it's purely an industry inner celebration you know it's not totally yeah so you need those you need those markers i think um and i don't know where her streaming numbers are at i certainly would have said at the time at least they weren't anything significant but i do think that in place of of that the uh the radio numbers were were a significant part of that they were the 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 signal to the industry that this was a real artist that and and the pr that um yeah as well you know you know it's tough a lot of artists want to be on the radio so i have my last note on my sheet that i wrote for myself for this is as an artist and this is a good i this is a good exercise in general when dealing with gatekeepers Mm -hmm. try to understand what a radio station wants Mm. and what they're actually selling and what makes a radio station money such an important lesson for all aspects of of life but but go on it is try to understand what they want now it depends on the exact type of radio station but most radio station they make money only two ways basically right a radio station makes money by selling advertising or a radio station makes money by collecting donations that's kind of it Mm -hmm. that's that's the end of the story. And the only way they do either of those things is through through keeping an audience. And unfortunately, like a crazy amount of research shows you lose audience when you play new songs. Hmm. It's just it's just a fact. Yeah. People suck. You know, like we all say we don't want to hear the same thing on the radio over and over again. But as a group, we don't act like that. Right. So. I'm saying this because, you know, I say this all the time on this podcast, John, like people want to help you. They just don't know how. Right. That is true as well with music directors and program directors at radio stations. And I have found my relationship with them has gotten so much better as I've really embraced and assumed more that they want to help. Like, why would they have gotten into music? They want to break artists. They do. But they're in a tough spot. You know, like it's not breaking new music is not easy, especially in a wishy washy way. It's so much better to be committed. And what I've learned about these people, the program directors and stuff, is they need signals that we are committed. Right. 
And it's like the opposite, the same exact thing, but the inverse of what you're saying. Like, it's like this weird juggling match in the industry. You know what I mean? Like, we got people are going to look to be to to see if you're quote like legit or at the the this level. Are you getting radio play? And then radio is going to do the exact same thing in reverse, right? They're going to say, "Are you going to be here?" You know how I said earlier, have a bigger picture strategy than a single release for sure. yourself. You know. Radio cares about that a lot. They really don't want to play an artist that we're never going to hear about ever again because they need to build and deepen a relationship with their audience. Yeah. Oh, it was like that even 15 years ago, you no, know. No, it's always been like yeah, that. Yeah. There was always the first question, what's the story? And, they, you know, they didn't mean where is he from and, and, you know, what kind of music does he play? They wanted to know how much money was being spent, you know, what was the marketing Why budget. Why is this going to still be around? Yeah. Yeah, You know, and I think you can start. That's why I want you, uh, not you, John. Well, yeah, you, when you release your next album or whatever. But for all of us, that's why I want you to spend a little time, spend 50 bucks or 100 bucks hand mailing, looking for addresses and picking some stations to commit to. Because what you can do is just relentlessly prove that you are still here. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. And that's a big question for them. I can only imagine, too, just making some real effort with your own promotion, tagging them in posts, the, getting them certainly to as many shows as you can by giving them free tickets and then thanking them, you know, in front of 200 people. And, and you know, any promotion you can throw their way, I, I, I've got to believe uh, would, would help you stand out a little bit. Definitely. If they feel in some ways like you're actually bringing audience to them, if there's a way to accomplish that, they really don't like it fake, though. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't suggest calling 50 people no, and totally. asking them to request a song on a radio station. I wouldn't do that. No, I think, I mean, I'm just I'm just thinking outside of the box. And, of course, it takes a good dialogue in order to do this. But kind of letting them in a little bit on your marketing and saying that you use advertising to move traffic and you have a big list and you can, you'd like to return the favor for their promotion and drive some of that traffic in their direction. Yeah, so that absolutely. It, so that it doesn't hit and become obvious that, you know, you don't want them thinking you're just buying the traffic to sort of win favor you want them to know it's the byproduct of an or uh, an actual uh sincere marketing campaign do you know what i mean um it gets a little yeah, funny definitely. when when you i mean when, obviously the best way to prove to a station that you have fans is to do a show in their town with fans yeah well sure sure for sure okay so so this is all really good stuff now let's talk about the realities of doing it in this day and age and and specifically kind of about what you guys are doing you touched on this the prices potentially, you know, that, that have come way down. It used to be an indie campaign was 20, 30, $40,000. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's still, I mean, the price it can be, down. I realize, but I mean, most people, most of the campaigns I work on, they're coming in with much less money, you know, two to $5,000 kind of, kind of a ballpark. So talk about, that's going to be niche. I mean, to it me, is. two it's to $5,000 is smaller be bluegrass, yes. Americana, blues, um, jazz, these things, blues, jazz you know i think uh triple starts at five easily to 10 15 20 40 50 dollars easily yeah. you can is going to the commercial stations we're i'm doing a non-commercial triple a campaign so this is a lot of like the one in milwaukee is npr during the day and music at night mm -hmm. you know the, the, some really great stations around the country um, but that's the reason it's so quote, I mean, $5,000 is not inexpensive to me, but so quote inexpensive. Yeah. Um, 
CHR, you know, hit radio is the most expensive format. And I've heard estimates of like, don't even touch it for less than 200 grand. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've heard lots of people say, don't touch country radio for less than $200,000. Yeah. I could believe you know? I'm, I'm a little surprised it hasn't come down more, but, um, no, no, no. Some of it's even, I'm because radio is consolidated. So there's a supply and demand issue the other direction. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, there's only so many slots for, for artists and major labels are starting to pour money into stuff like AAA, which they really ignored to a certain extent 15 years ago. I do um, this. I always run up against the same logic problem, which is when I start hearing numbers like that, like when I think about it as two to five thousand dollars to invest in your brand, I get it. When I start to think even for like, the, you know, a mainstream country act who's trying to break internationally and it's i start crazy. i go 200 grand still think i could do better with facebook advertising you know still it's think definitely good. still uh, think i, I can did. get further with with I mean, 200,000 subscribers if, if it was a real hit but that's just a lottery ticket that's the crazy thing yeah yeah uh, uh that, that if it's a real hit $500,000 worth it for sure yeah you're breaking artist for their life you know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you could do 12 albums on that fucking hit, <clears> you know, but it's, it's probably not going to be a hit. Even if you do spend $500,000, such a tough call. Yeah. I mean, someone, th- there are hits like, and someone's got to do it. You know what I mean? Like that's got to be some artist. It's just not that many. And I'm pretty confident that there are fewer hits today than there were which is good for indie artists in a lot of ways. It is stratifying slowly, but radio promotion is really expensive. And a lot of those expenses go into like sort of bullshit stuff. Like, you know, let's buy 50 iPads so we can give away iPad to 50 stations and they can give them away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like really elaborate, like um, radio got in a lot of trouble in the early nineties for labels and and um, it's called payola, you know, labels and radio promoters and radio stations together sort of conspired to create this like weird black market economy to just like buy hits, basically, right. you know, with laptops and cocaine. And technically, that's all illegal now. But honestly, in my limited experience, and I've been in the industry a long time, met with a lot of radio stations. At the high level, that's absolutely still happening. I've- no, it, it, well, again, I haven't been in that game too recently, but it, in my experiences, it was definitely a part of the equation. It happened in a roundabout, funny sort of way. Exactly, a roundabout way now. Some Sometimes there were just, you know, conferences in Maui um, and things like that. But, but even when I got... Uh, I don't know if I should even say any of this, but when I got my my sort of biggest radio hit, you know, that led to everything, nobody ever said, um, you, we're going to help you. Because there are various tastemakers. I'll leave those names out of it. But especially back then, various trade ma- radio trade magazines and tastemakers, the authors yep. of various columns and things like that, that you really needed them on your side. And we got them on our side. And it was just understood that they were going to get a big, thank you check um at the end of it uh we never they never asked um and we never you know like there was there was no conversation about it but checks were cut at the end of it because that was just how that game was played 
Yeah, and I, I think I think at the high level, it, it definitely still is, and I think that's just another reason to shift our mindset and keep our mindset to, you know, what you preach, which is like we're going to build our tribe, we're going to build our audience, and then I think that the reframe is like how do we how do we make radio help us do that right. instead of playing the game that the late, the majors play at radio. And in my opinion, the way we do that is we try to find champions at radio that can champion us in markets that we can go to over and over again. And year after year, you know, we could, tr- we try to win fans one at a time. If you have good funnels, if you have good, you know, people search your band and your website comes up, which is designed right. And is a solid funnel you should be able to create more sales from a little radio airplay than another average artist could. You know what I mean? And sure. I found that to be true for myself. Yeah, I can imagine a, a nice little circle there where you, you're you building your list in a particular city or town that you're going after promo, radio promo um, or uh, spins in that town. They start playing it. You turn to your list and let them know that they're playing it. One, it makes you look good. Two, you ask them, hey, if you want to hear more, you know, go and request the track. Um, and so they start to see genuine fans coming to them. And then the, the, the sheer fact that you're getting the spins is reinforcing your, your perceived, I don't know, uh, rock star position in your community, yeah, exactly. you know, this nice it, little circle. It, it, and, and you know, the other thing is we we're spending money on PR this time around. And I, I would really, <clears throat> I, I think those, they kind of go together. Mm-hmm. Like I think, yeah. It's, you could do a little bit of indie PR, by, like as in do it yourself, with a little radio yourself, or you can pay to do both. But they sort of make sense to me together. Yeah, especially I, you know, I, I agree. get traction on one. You want to be prepared to immediately use that traction with the other one. Totally. Um, I'm looking at the clock and and we do need to kind of wrap up, but I really kind of want to give everyone a few more details about the step by steps of actually going after it. So I, I think we segued there. You see, you're going after um, it's a very limited. What did you say? AC? It's called non-com AAA. That's right. the format I'm going after. There's about 100 in nine state, I think there's 109 stations we are targeting. Okay, so so how many stations are in that format nationwide? I think there are like 400, 300 total stations in that format, and I think this 109 are reporters. Okay, so you went after just the reporters, nothing to do with your tour route. Nothing to do with our tour route, though. We had our radio promoter make notes of our tour route to be part of the pitch in that city. Like a station in Columbus started playing us lightly and we're playing in Columbus on the eight, uh, in August and they're aware of that date. And hopefully that all comes together and did you, uh, at did, the same time. Right. Did you hire a promoter and he or she made the recommendation for the format or did you decide what format you wanted to go after and then hire a promoter? Who combination. Most promoters focus on a format. Yeah. And most promoters, I don't think, will just say yes to any artist because, sure. you know, they have to bring that music and, you know, they, they're they having phone con- – mostly phone conversations every week with these radio stations. Right. Um, I, I've sort of developed a relationship with a, a radio promoter co- – promotion company that I like and a, a woman that I like who promotes over the last several years. Um, so we went with them and then within AAA, they guided us to this particular list – um, which is which is Crystal's specialty. Got you know, it. she talks to them every week, and it's a combination. It's mostly um, 
it's all AAA stations. It's mostly large community stations, some college stations, but like very reputable college stations. Right. And um, basically what happens is you set an impact date, mm-hmm. right? A date at some point where, okay, we're going for ads, capital A-D-D, which is when a radio station officially tells the whole industry, we're putting this song on the radio now. Sure. And then you go into like light or medium or heavy or power rotation, right? Mm-hmm. And to service them that music, we have a single, which we used what's called an MPE blast, uh, which digitally serviced to the radio stations the music so they can download it or stream it. And it was our bio. And uh, The radio promoter follows up every week. And uh, when the album comes out, we will service them both the digital and the physical. And there's like a little caveat there because one of our tracks has a fucking in it. I mm-hmm. think Erica says it once. So we had to put like an FCC warning on that. Right. And we have to send those albums out soon, actually. And I get a report. I think I got my third one every week of what each station is doing. It's in review. Uh, they added it to the library, which means it hasn't get spins yet, but the DJs are approved to spin it. Right. Oh, it's in light rotation. I don't think we have anything in heavy rotation yet. We have something in medium rotation. Right. And I actually am going to share those reports and even more details with uh, the insider circle. Cool. Awesome. And your 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 impact date aligns primarily with what? An upcoming tour? Um, the actual release our date? Impact, what are you trying to impu- influence the most? Dates. The first impact date was our single, mm-hmm. and that aligned with the release of the single. It was... Uh, to Spotify, our, to the streaming platforms. To the streaming platforms. And then our second impact date is for the full album. And this happens to be a radio format, AAA. It stands for Adult Album Alternative. Mm -hmm. And this particular format likes albums above singles. Right, right. Um, And so we'll service the entire album when it's released to all these stations. And then on top of my radio promoter, we also are attending and performing, showcasing at the AAA conference, which is in in Boulder every year. Got it. Um, And what... that's a big conference. Like uh, Steve Earle is the keynote, and cool. uh, Kiefer Sutherland has a new band. He's performing. <laughs> nice. It's going to be very interesting, and and that's a great chance because, like, like I said, this is about making relationships. This is like people, you know, smoking weed and listening to music, and sure. it's all musicians and program directors. Sure. Um, Gavin DeGraw is at it. KT Tunstall. It's a, it's a big conference. It should be fun. And your budget, um, what did you say it was? Like total for both the, or is it is it all part of one package or is it broken up for the sort of the single and the album? How, how talk about the, the, My radio promo budget's five grand. Okay. And is this a fee that your promoter just charges for the servicing of an album? Yeah, they charge then? like every week. Right. Um, but going into it, uh, what I guess what I'm because you've got those dual objectives with the single and the album, was that something you said, this is what I want? Um, how much or do yes, they say exactly. we charge this much as a minimum and here's what we'll do? Yes. That. Well, both, both of those <clears throat> things. I think they do a weekly charge and it's minimum of six weeks. Right. But did they did they come to you sort of with the idea to promote the album and the single as opposed to just for no, example, I actually single. think I came to them with it. And I, I don't the last time we worked with them, we only promoted an album. And I, I wanted to 
see if we could warm it up with the single first. Right. right. Uh, we've never gone with a single actually to this format. Got it. Um, so I'm actually very happy with it because people are playing the album. People are playing the album in markets that we're going to during the campaign. I feel like we're finally putting the pieces together here. I'm advertising on Facebook in these markets. I have some PR coming out in these various markets. Like, man, uh, you know how like rich people just get richer. Yeah. Like we did this big festival. Was it yesterday? That's fucked up. Wow. It was yesterday. I'm really tired. It was yesterday. <laughs> we did three interviews immediately following our performance yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, cause there were like radio stations all. And one of them is a radio station that's playing us because of this promoter. So it was perfect. Really putting the pieces together there. Right. And it just reminded me that like, right, of course, big bands just get huger all the time. Because they could do like five interviews at every festival they go to, like easy. So, in a scenario like that, you're out, you're you're out there performing. You've got your radio uh, promoter promoting a radio. Is it a publicist that's going in and then organizing all those on the tails of that, looking for that activity, and then going and and reaching out to the stations for the interviews? Yeah, actually, yes. And these stations, because there's all you know, there's 14 bands a day. They reached out to us. Oh, cool. And said, hey, you guys want to interview? And uh, I'm pretty sure then our promoter, Crystal, talked to that station today or maybe well tomorrow because maybe that one's on Tuesdays. They have like weekly talks with each station. So, you know, I'm, I've been calling it putting the pieces together. Like ideally, you know, that was Cleveland. Mm-hmm. We, ideally, we have radio happening, Facebook ads happening, a show happening. So we're going back to Cleveland or Kent actually in August. But we know we're getting some spinning on the station. We just did an interview on the station. I'd love to get an article in Cleveland. We have our publicist working on it. We're doing the tour date. You know, so that's hopeful. Like like you said, it's a little bit too too big of a market to, um, you know, to, to maybe have people run each other in, into each other at the coffee shop. Sure. Who heard about the empty pockets? But we're starting to really give ourselves a chance right? to like, Hey, I heard that on the radio and I saw that they were at wonderstruck and I see that they're coming to Kent and oh, here's an article about them. That's, that's the idea here. Sure. Sure. Okay. The high level. Let's see. Sorry. I keep, uh, now I'm in that manic mode of staring at the clock going, okay, we've gone yeah. longer than I wanted to, but I still have questions. So I got uh, like three more questions and I'll then we'll, quick. Uh, we'll have to wrap up. So, um, how does one, what's your advice for an artist who would like to get a radio promoter? They feel that it makes sense for them. Um, you know, they're a little bit beyond going and doing it themselves. Maybe they're a national touring actor or, or for whatever reason, they just, they think they've got the track and they want to take a stab at it. Um, or they're in a specialty uh, niche and they've got yeah, some how money. Do, how, do you how, how do you, how, yeah. How do you find someone? All right. My favorite, uh, Find somebody who's been there and ask for directions. I love right, that line. Right, sure. So a lot of artists have their radio promoter like publicly available on their website somewhere Good or point. even Googleable. So wh- a lot of times what I do is find the format. If I really want to find who's doing what is I find an artist who I think is doing well, not famous, not famous, yeah. not useful. Yeah. That you, 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 you are sure is not crazy famous, but is maybe a little more successful than you mm-hmm. or a medium amount and figure out who's promoting them. Right. That's my favorite way to do it. Okay. I mean, you could Google, you could just Google. Yeah. But like to me, that's the that's the way. So you and type in band name, whatever, uh, radio promoter. I would start by like let's say you know I'm a country artist and you know I I I 
maybe I would start with famous artists and say, oh, who, who's promoting Zach Brown band? So I might just go to their website or whatever band. And then a lot of times they have like management, publicists. Sometimes they have radio promoter there. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you can always Google stuff like that. Like yeah, you're saying, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it's Gavin DeGraw, radio promoter. And then maybe the format, because some of these major label artists have 10 radio promoters because they're in, going to 10 different formats. Right. And if you know the format you want to go after, let's say your smooth jazz, um, yeah. typing in, going to Google and typing in smooth jazz radio promotion company too risky, or you reckon that's, no, that's I mean, that's how I start stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I, I would always, I mean, to me, so much of the vendor game in general is gut. You have yeah. to have conversations with people. I like to have phone conversations with people. Sure. So you can kind of get a feel of how bullshitty they are. Sure. If they're a real person, if they are who they say they are. Right. It's good if you can like look up an article. You know, it's, artists are really responsive. So nobody's promoting <clears throat> who doesn't have a list of artists who have promoted with, with them, right? True. I send send three of them a Facebook message. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good tip. How'd it go? All right. Okay. And, uh, Okay, so we've talked a lot about the specialty sort of, you know, the two to five grand kind of radio promo. At what point um, do you go bigger? Do you actually start going for the My 30, 50, 100 grand? It's like it's got to be working now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you have if it, it to me, it's like it's sort of got to be undeniable. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I don't I would maybe start looking for money or, or maybe we've actually sold quite a few copies of our album. So like I might consider spending of band money or $25,000 of band money. If I felt like, wow, we have a chance to really take advantage of this moment. Like if, if a station started playing youth vaping, which is the new track that nobody's heard, but you, you liked it on our album because it's very John. It's like very, (laughs) it's a, you know, cow punk a little bit. Right. Um, If some station started playing the shit out of that, then and 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 we had a radio promoter going like we could jump on this here and really take this to the next level i might consider it but i don't think i would do it randomly right right um and what was my other question about that how to uh what is happening exactly with the empty pockets right now at radio so you're how how far into it time wise like i think we are three weeks into our campaign Mm -hmm. um we're going to uh, non-com triple a and i'm gonna really get into uh i think you and i are gonna do an insider circle bit on um i'll like literally share my screen and we can go through the report and talk about it Fantastic. but i'll give you a little update here like look like we just got uh they're not calling them ads which i don't know why but is always all caps a d d in radio mm-hmm. in all formats it seems but we got spin starting in a new station in cleveland and tampa florida and grand junction this week and or that was last week i haven't gotten this week's report yet looks like we're spinning on about 16 ish stations and some of these stations I'm, I'm looking at the notes and we'll talk about it more in insider circle are asking for the full cd um you know you start to get actual feedback yeah uh, you know, this isn't going to work for our station. We're, we're harder rock than this type of thing. Um, I think it's going well so far, but I really can't emphasize enough how much like of a long view I have of this. Like we're already recording our next album. We're going to radio to the exact same stations with our next album. Gotcha. All right. Well, one final sort of overview, because this is part of a series, you know, what's the the 45 second kind of take on 
what's transpired so far, uh, where you are, what's to come and, you know, how you're doing in terms of your KPIs, you know, like, um, uh, what was, yeah, how, how the performance is going based on expectations. I'm pleased right now. We're at 845 units. My goal is a thousand. We're going to beat that goal. Yeah. Uh, it's a thousand by August 12. I want to now beat a thousand in July and have August be all gravy. That would be really nice. Totally. Um, I, you, I, I can't decide if it was before we started recording or after where you were talking about a $19 album as really expensive, which I love because we're selling it for 20 bucks. Yeah. And it's the first album I've ever sold without discounting at all any time. Every single person has bought it for $20. The only way to not pay $4.95 for shipping, so most people have bought it for $24.95, is to spend more than uh, $30 at our store, which a bunch of people have. So wait a um, second, you, you're not incentivizing it at all? Not from a price standpoint. But you're throwing some bonuses in there? Nope. So, well, you're saying not by a price standpoint. Are you incentivizing it at all? We're signing them. Signing. So a signed copy if you pre-order. Yep. And the first 500 were hand-numbered in the order that they were ordered in. And uh, a lot of our big fans were real into getting an early number. Some people, uh, to chart on Billboard, uh, one fan can buy up to four copies of the same album, and those can count. Mm -hmm. So some of our fans in that first 500 were like, ooh, I want a single digit. That was tough. You know, there's only nine single digits. Right. But, you know, I want a double digit and a triple digit. Right. Or I want, you know, that. So, so we've, I think we've sold 845 copies to like 801 people or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, you're just putting like a little number next to the aut autograph. Like, how are you doing that? Yeah, yeah, literally just right. writing a number on right, the right. CD. Interesting. Um, hand, this is funny. Hand well, hand numbered. Got it. Um, so, uh, I don't know. This is more like something that should probably be reserved for our personal chit chat. I am observing a thing with you on this release where you are breaking some of the rules that I know you know work. Like, I know you know the incentive is is so effective. I just, I what you're doing is also working, but I really... Well, I'm just a very extreme person. And just like, I, I'm a very extreme person. And in the past, I feel like I've messed with price too much. Mm -hmm. So I just like committed myself to seeing what was going to happen with zero price messing around. It's a new album, $20, $4.95 to ship it, no change. I'm, uh, I'm sensing, I'm sensing a little bit of not fatigue is definitely not the right word. Cause I, I see all kinds of energy coming from you, but like a certain kind of Str streamlining mixed with a little bit of jadedness on on yes. the on the marketing that feels, front. That feels right. That feels <laughs> that feels accurate. <laughs> I'm seeing you kind of go, "Oh, fuck it," to a bunch of stuff and 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 not ignoring marketing, but going it's the 80/20 principle. You it's as if you've shed you used to be a guy who split test did a line a thousand times and it yeah, seemed and I feel like I learned a ton from that stage, but mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, it's about the philosophy. I'm, I'm like this in my art right now too, man. It's yeah. like big strokes. Yeah, like let's yeah. focus my energy on what's important. Yeah. You know, 
Well, I'm, that's, that's my whole thing. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I constantly say that I'm a broad strokes guy. I never did the testing, but it's just a change for you. It's quite interesting. You seem to be doing the 20%, uh, that gets the 80% of the results in a, in a almost defiant kind of way. Like I think yeah, that, I think yeah. that move to not incentivize is defiant and, and peculiar because I think incentivizing will would drive your numbers up a little bit, but you're you're going to surpass your goals, so that maybe doesn't matter. Well, and like I've been disappointed, I've been like excited and disappointed in the past of my releases at like profit at the end of the day mm-hmm. versus numbers. Right, like right. this release is profitable. Yeah, you sure, know? sure. You know, and, I paid my advance. Like I, 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 I feel good about the, the financial part of this and right. I feel like I ordered the right amount of everything. And, um, and I guess I'm shining a light on it because it, it highlights something I think is important. You know, it's that uh, not quite the ready, fire, aim principle, but it's just the get out there and do if you if you build an audience and you ask that audience to buy stuff and that, well, you know, there needs to be a few other components that audience needs to know you're the real deal. They need to feel that sense that you need to exude that. You know, I see a lot of people that kind of come into this very gingerly, you know, very like there's not a lot of energy or uniqueness coming off of them and they struggle. Um, but if your audience buys it, that you're a real artist who's out there making real art and is invested in it and you just Ask and ask them to buy stuff. They buy stuff because I think you could have. I think you could have done the normal Josh aggressive geek out on every aspect of this and sold m- more units. I really do. But but oh, I know but, I sold but, more units, but I don't know if it's going to be more money. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm all for best ROI, but I still think you probably could make more money because a sale means a chance at an upsell and everything else. That's true. But, That's true. But I think I'm sensing a hap- more happiness or something, you know, like which. Yeah, you know, I just like it's not I'm not as I really don't regret getting into that all that nitty gritty. And like it's fucking magic. Like when you first sell something, mm. it's like, oh, my God, the power of this, you know, but I, I this time around, it is a very different attitude for me. It yeah. really it really is. I don't think I totally like consciously realized I was doing it, but I'm so extreme that I like, you know. It is what it is. Uh, I, the Alp cells have been pretty good, and it's not been specific to this album. Like we didn't create anything else besides this, the, the music and the design and the CD. Um, so the upsells are just like our other music. Sure, but but it's doing pretty well. Yeah, well, it started with the way you released it, sort of sooner than I anticipated and almost accidentally because of yes, you just kind of right. went and I was like, what? You're not ready yet. You know, but you just went. Um, and that's so different than how I think I would have ever seen you do it or how I would, I would do it. You know, there would be so much contemplating and trying to make everything mathematically perfect looking. Um, and it was just quite interesting. And it's very cool to see that despite all of that, the fundamentals are still holding strong. It's great. Yeah, I'm really psyched. I think we've done over twenty five thousand um, dollars. That's real money, to us. Yeah, man. You know, like like I, I prepaid each of my band members because I was confident, and <clears throat> we all needed money. I prepaid everybody five grand, mm-hmm. um, and now I think we're pretty much broken even. Awesome. Here, awesome. I mean, broken even. We each made five grand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now we're going to keep selling it, and this is going to chart on Billboard. And if they let us be blues, it could chart kind of high. Yeah, sure. 
Sure. And for refresh my memory on how that works with the, if they let you be like you, you really, like you tell billboard, you tell uh, it's, it's, um, it's sound scan. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That you, that you fill out a thing and you give them your UPC and you know, so you can be scannable. Right. Yeah. And, um, you tell them the genre, but they actually tell you the genre. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I've released uh, multiple albums. I never put country on anything, and they called one of our albums country. Mm. Uh, I never put rock on my album Voices, and that's on the rock charts. Right. Uh, we have five albums that have charted on Billboard, and uh, I hope this will be our sixth. Blues is a very gettable chart. Mm. We'll be on the Heat Seekers chart. Yeah. Um, and, but but the Heat Seekers chart, the number one spot is usually like 5,000 units, at right. least give or take. Yeah, right. the, the number one blues album sometimes is 800 units. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. When I've, when I've looked at it, it was usually a little more than that because usually there's, and, and you know, I'm sure you're right. It could be like Bonnie Raitt. There's always a Bonnie Raitt type on there. You know, there's one person who's, who's. Yeah, but it's not seven. So I, I want to be in the top 10. No, yeah, you, can. you can definitely get top 10 with. We'll see. With, I, I want to say. Yeah, I want to say it ranged for the top 10 spot at Blues from what I had seen anywhere, depending on the week, was like 500 to 1,000 units. So Yeah, that, I think 1,000 units is a safe guesstimate to you're definitely charting in some places. Yeah. Um, I think three to 5,000 units is the beginning of like, you might make the Billboard 200 here. Right, uh, right. And then over 5,000 units, especially in a niche genre like blues, is like, you could be working out the number one album. I mean, if, if Tedeschi Trucks Band or Bonnie Raitt or Taj Mahal or something doesn't release an album type of thing. Right. It all depends on the week. All right. Well, Josh, I could do this all day long and ask you more and more <laughs> questions, but we've run a, about a 90 we'll minute podcast here, so we need to stop. But uh, we will do it again soon and we'll be putting some stuff together for the insider circle with more data, some of the, you know, the actual case studies on all of this, which uh, I think you guys will dig. If you're not a member of the insider circle, check it out by going to musicmarketingmanifesto.com uh, and clicking on products and services. There's an array of stuff uh, for independent musicians to choose from there uh from john uh you, you everybody should sign up for insider circle who's truly into this we did a we did a detailed explanation of tour advancing yeah uh and i i i, I i've talked to a lot of artists since then mm -hmm. and we've like been talking like that's really good shit yeah like for anyone who's playing dates you know insider circle is great people might not realize this but you know how often i check my own lessons like because you know time <laughs> it's a lot of info it's a lot of info time passes and i tend to do deep dives of research you know leading up to them or even just refreshing my own memory but i go i go through uh insider circle lessons all the time lessons i created um uh to to walk through the steps there's there's some especially ones you know where i've had guests such as yourself to sit in on because it's not inherently locked into my brain so there, there's some there's some good stuff in there and that was um that was a good one but um we've got to sign off thank you josh for being here um Bye, John. and thanks everyone for listening take care josh
All right. That was Josh Solomon from The Empty Pockets. Uh, if you want to support Josh and the release of his album, head on over to TheEmptyPockets.com. They're a really great and very hardworking band. Uh, you'll learn a lot just by going through their, their funnels and exposing yourself to their marketing, but pay it forward uh, and thank them by picking up a copy of their album. I know they'll appreciate it. And frankly, they deserve it. So thanks, Josh, for being on the show. Thank you all for listening. Uh, until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.